Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Imagine public airways like a traffic jam. I think that's a helpful way to think about it, because, yeah, the airwaves have been getting more crowded in, in really recent decades. You know, you've been hearing from any number of tech and telecom companies about a spectrum crunch and how it's not easy to free up spectrum for commercial use anymore. This is Politico Technology reporter John Hendel. And yet, like, if you're a big company, like, they know that, like, smartphones are very popular. Everyone is is buying them. They need to use data. So, you know, the fact that there's not any easily available spectrum means you have lots of industry incumbents with new neighbors, and that can be really noisy. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. And that's part of this problem, you know, figuring out how to properly filter out the noise when you have a much more crowded neighborhood. On the show today, the Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC for short, is reconsidering ways to make sure that radio devices, new and old, can navigate the newest generation of wireless service. So why do our radios suck so much? (laughs) Well, I think there's a lot of reasons for that, potentially. But one (laughs) big reason that we decided to look at in recent months is the receiver's of these radios. Uh, Right now, all of our electronic devices that connect to the wireless spectrum have some sort of transmitter and receiver. Uh, But the thing we realized when looking at some of the recent spectrum fights is that there really isn't much regulation or standards around kind of the receiver side of this end. And that refers to kind of the side that is receiving the radio waves. And when you say spectrum here, that encapsulates everything? Essentially. I mean, like, Spectrum is, you know, hard for many people to understand because it is invisible. People don't think about it, but it's what powers the radio waves, you know, going into our television for like broadcast TV, for our smartphones, for electric utilities. You know, anytime that they're kind of connected to to things, that's going to be using spectrum, uh, GPS. So, yeah, the airwaves, the frequencies, Mm -hmm. the, the Pentagon sits on a bunch of spectrum. You know, they need it for war fighting capacities. You And you've seen fights about, you know, what spectrum the Pentagon has, what they can give up. That's been part of, uh, you know, some tensions over the last decade. So, no, there's a lot of uses for this. And again, I think no matter who you are, whether you're a utility or a telecom company or the Pentagon, you know, you see this as one of the most valuable resources you can have. And again, it's about avoiding those bad neighborhood fights, you know, in a crowded environment. So back in January, there were a bunch of possible 5G issues. Airline executives warning of a potential aviation catastrophe. And people were worried like planes were going to fall from the sky, right? It was this whole kind of like high stakes thing. Both AT&T and Verizon are delaying the launch of their 5G networks, but only in certain areas. Both companies announced the change after major airlines warned it could cause a, quote, catastrophic disruption. That was, I think, the first that a lot of people like learned about these 5G issues. So like what has happened since then? Can you kind of take me from January to now? Yeah, what happened in January was kind of the big issue that got us looking at this a little more closely. Um, AT&T and Verizon had paid over $80 billion for access to some of these wireless airwaves that they had had that were going to promise faster 5G service. Uh, This has been something the telecom companies have been promising for years. They've talked about how great 5G would be. um, And they had bought these airwaves with the assumption that they would be able to use them for 5G. But late last year, 
the Federal Aviation Administration and some different kind of uh, airlines, they had been raising this issue of, will this interfere with our, our safety equipment, with altimeters? And a part of that is that some of these airlines have just older altimeters that aren't as good at filtering out the uh, the 5G airwaves on the, the C-band spectrum, as it's mm-hmm. called. So they had to keep pushing back the, the launch of you know, this new new 5G service, given the FAA and uh, Transportation Secretary Buttigieg and others, they were all kind of worried about what this would actually mean uh, just for, for that service. So you saw an unusual amount of focus on spectrum issues. You saw President Biden himself being asked about this in his long press conference right. back in January. You saw multiple White House statements. You know, I think a lot of people were shocked that it got as high profile and messy as it was. And again, these companies initially thought they were going to be launching this service back in December. So they kept pushing it back. Right now, they've been able to kind of in a limited fashion launch some of it, but there's still testing going on at the FAA. They're still trying to make sure that planes should be able to fly safely with this 5G service also launching. Uh, but that's kind of raised the question of why is this an issue in the first place? What is the actual receiver technology uh, at play here? And why isn't the government really overseeing this side of things as much? I mean, it's kind of a black hole of regulation where we really haven't seen a government agency policing the standards around that. And I think a lot of industry folks are also kind of nervous about the government taking too big a role on that, too. I think that's one thing that I would point Mm -hmm. to as a reason you haven't seen any government agency uh, being really active in this space before. Okay, there's so much to dig into with all of that. But I guess the place I want to start is why hasn't there been more agency attention to this? I mean, like in your story, you say that on Thursday, FCC commissioners voted to open an inquiry into 5G, which is an inquiry that's coming nearly 20 years after they explored sort of setting different standards in the first place, and then nothing really came of it. So what's to say that things will be different now? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting part of it. The fact that you've had policymakers very aware of this being an issue for decades at this point. Uh, And bringing this up initially about 20 years ago, the the FCC initially had put out kind of a notice of inquiry back in 2003 saying, we are aware that there's a lot of different conflict potentially in the airwaves, a lot of debates around interference. And, you know, as we get more technology coming online and cellular technologies advancing, there's clearly going to be conflicts. They knew this back 20 years ago. But Mm -hmm. I think that you haven't seen action for a couple reasons. One is... I think you see a lot of device makers and other industries out there reluctant to see the government taking a bigger role on this. I think they, uh, you know, they they have concern about what prescriptive mandates would look like. They don't want to uh, kind of have the the thumb of government controlling how they're going to be, um, you know, updating their devices because uh, it's an expense for industry for one. Two, I think that they are. Uh, aware that it's actually hard for government to test this stuff. Um, You know, as opposed to transmission from these radios, that's a little bit easier to tell. But when it comes to receiver standards, you end up having to essentially field test how they are receiving the airwaves, meaning uh, it's just a lot of bureaucracy. You know, if there were prescriptive mandates from government, it would require probably a far bigger agency than anything we have right now. It's not like the Federal Communications Commission could just tomorrow set up shop and start effectively doing that. So I think that that's Mm -hmm. one thing. I think you've also seen some of the critics of that idea raise 
you know, issues about whether it's even legal for a government agency to do that currently. Uh, right now, mm. the FCC clearly has kind of regulatory powers over transmission. But some people say, like, you know what, the statute doesn't really, um, you know, allow for them to jump in on on receivers. That's not something they can do. Uh, you know, you've seen FCC staff themselves sometimes echo those arguments over the years when you look back, you know, during the Obama years, you know, the the GAO had looked into this, other different entities. And sometimes the FCC did kind of punt. But you've seen that evolving over the last, I think, decade or so. You know, there's been more pressure on the Federal Communications Commission to kind of take a closer look at this. And I think what you're seeing now is them at least pivoting back toward this issue. They're not proposing prescriptive mandates yet. They're not saying they want like an all-voluntary industry approach they're raising a whole menu of options for how they could jump in and kind of maybe even indirectly motivate companies to upgrade their uh, their radio technology, get better receivers. You know, they're trying to figure out, is there a way we can do this where we don't maybe anger industry or get sued? I mean, I think that's like the other kind of interesting <laughs> thing. I think when there is debate over whether they have authority or not, everything that they do is going to be under intense scrutiny. And I think there is a good chance, as with many things with the FCC, that it will end up in a court fight eventually. But right now, this is the first mm-hmm. step. And can we go from here? And I think there's billions of dollars at stake. I mean, that's the interesting thing. Because mm-hmm. over the last few years, the worst predictions from 20 years ago kind of came true in terms of spectrum fights. Yeah. Uh, again, 20 years ago, when the FCC first considered looking at this, they knew like you're going to have incumbents in the wireless airwaves fighting with new entrants, and it's just going to be too many different players trying to use the the, the space that's very limited. Mm-hmm. That's happened. You've seen you know major government agencies getting involved and kind of fighting with each other. You've seen the GPS industry; they've been involved and in, and in fighting with other communications companies over some of these different issues. So. I think that that's kind of brought this to the fore. And clearly, mm-hmm. um, what you saw in January was one of the best examples of that, a failure of action on multiple fronts. And so I think the FCC is trying to look at ways to head that off if they can. They don't want bad headlines like this. They want, you know, if a company's paid billions of dollars for Spectrum, they want there to be a little more certainty to that, too. I think there's an awareness that they can't be successfully auctioning off Spectrum and playing the role that they've played for years if there's confusion about what will cause harmful interference or not. Mm-hmm. So that's what's interesting. I think it's a it's a huge moment for the agency. And it's also a sign of kind of bipartisan consensus uh, when they are tied between two Democrats, two Republicans. Uh, that's It's normally a five-member agency, but they've been, you know, some would say deadlocked for the last year and a half. But this is an issue where you actually have seen uh, the Republicans and Democrats unanimous on, on this issue. That's the interesting thing to see the FCC really kind of jump in in this space. And, you know, again, it's very technical, but they know these fights are huge. And when they go wrong, they can go really wrong. I mean, people were worried about like flights getting canceled. And, you know, that creates the kind of controversy and drama you don't really see in telecom all the time. (laughs) It's a kind of dry space (laughs) that really livened it up. Yeah, no, I mean, that suddenly becomes real to people when they actually realize, okay, can I catch this flight in a month? Or is this weird issue over spectrum going to actually kind of wade in and interfere and prevent us from doing what we want to do. Well, there's also like no going back to the past. Like there is no like, oh, we're just not going to use spectrum. Yeah. And I think that you're also seeing kind of a recognition of how delicate it is among FCC commissioners. As you put it, you know, there's no there's no stepping back. I think they know it's only a more crowded set of airwaves at this point, And they need to be very careful um, about making sure that they can 
make judgments that will be accepted or trusted. So very technical, but like it's actually at the root of, again, multi-billion dollar spectrum fights. John Hendel, thank you so much for talking with me. No, thank you. Thank you. Also in the news, the Supreme Court appears poised to rule in favor of a high school football coach fired for his on-field prayers following games. But the justices on Monday left doubt about whether they will issue a sweeping ruling backing the religious freedom rights of school employees or a more narrow decision confined to the unusual facts of the case from Washington state. And amid mounting pressure from Capitol Hill, Politico reports that the White House is preparing a more aggressive defense around its plan for lifting Title 42, the Trump-era deportation policy. White House Legislative Affairs officials invited Senate Chiefs of Staff and Staff Directors to a briefing call on the subject today. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.